Let's take our Bibles and we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew 7. This morning we are going to look at the final words of Jesus in this portion of Scripture known as the Sermon on the Mount. We've been mostly on Sunday nights uh, for several months walking through uh, these teachings on discipleship by the Lord Jesus. And we spent a lot of time in chapter 5, chapter 6, but now tonight or this morning as we wrap things up here at the end of chapter 7, this is really not so much a direct teaching on the subject of discipleship as it is a warning uh, to how the, the hearers, those who have heard these things, are going to respond to what has been said. And so I'm going to preach to you this morning on responses to the Word of God based on Matthew 7, verses 24 through 29. So if you would stand with me, if you've reached Matthew 7 in honor of God's Word, as we read together, Matthew 7, verse number 24, Jesus here says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And it came to pass... When Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, this morning as we have so enjoyed being in your house and lifting our voices in song to you and contemplating these wonderful truths, uh, Lord, now, as we take these next few moments and look into your word, I pray that you would help us this morning to set aside all of the other things that might be in our minds and in our hearts and things that are uh, distractions, burdens maybe that are weighing us down today. And help us, Lord, to just by your grace, focus in today on your word. And I pray that you would give us clarity and understanding, that you would, by your Holy Spirit, give us uh, illumination, Lord, help us to see how these truths apply to our lives. And, and Lord, as we're confronted with these things, may we be challenged and even convicted where necessary. And Lord, I pray that as we'll hear today, that you would help each of us to be doers of your word and not hearers only. Help us to take the truth of your word and apply it in our lives to live it out in obedience to you. Help us, Father, to see the value and importance of even these words that we're reading this morning. And I pray that you would change us for your glory today. And I want to also pray for anyone who is here. While I don't know a single heart in this place, you know every one of us. And you know those who are here today that are your sheep, your children. And you know those who are not. And for those who are not... Lord, who've never been saved, I just pray for them today. I pray that your Holy Spirit would 
begin working in their hearts or continue working in their hearts and, and showing them their need for Christ and through the preaching of Your Word, uh, Lord, that they would become convinced of the truth of the Gospel and that they would turn in repentance from their sin and from themselves to Christ in faith and that they would be born again today. And we'll rejoice, Lord, with what You do. We commit this service to You and ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. I mentioned a moment ago that Jesus here has just completed uh, a, a long discourse on discipleship. R what really is expected of a, a child of God, a follower of Christ. And, and I hope we understand that, that to be a, a, a disciple of Christ, to be a follower of Christ, or we might use the term Christian, it, that, that comes with it several expectations. Uh, we don't just say I'm a Christian because uh, I go to church or even honestly just because I'm saved. The word Christian means uh, like a little Christ, a follower of Christ. And Jesus said if you are a disciple of, of mine, if you will come after me, you're going to have to take up your cross and follow me. You're going to have to deny yourself. And there are some expectations for God's people. If we're going to be disciples of Christ, uh, we ought to live in such a way that is honoring to the Lord. That's what He expects of us. And so the previous chapters that we've just read are really Jesus saying, look, this is what the world thinks and this is what your flesh wants you to think, but I want you to transcend all of that and commit yourself to being a true follower of Christ. And, and these previous chapters have been instructions on how to be a disciple of Christ. But as he closes out this sermon, if you will, or this teaching, he does so not with words of encouragement so much as he leaves them with words of warning. Wouldn't it be interesting if uh, maybe we had a custom around here uh, that every time we dismissed a service, rather than me saying, hey, have a great week, I'll be praying for you, you know, and, and go enjoy some family time, whatever the case is. Instead of that, I said, now listen, if you leave here and you forget what you've heard, and you don't do what you've heard, you're going to be in trouble. Dismissed. <laughs> right? That probably wouldn't go over real well. But that's kind of what Jesus is doing. He's saying, listen, you've heard all these things, but now you need to be aware that what you do with what you have heard is going to be the deciding factor of whether your life goes on in a direction that is pleasing to the Lord, whether you are building your life on a sturdy and steady foundation, or whether you are setting yourself up for destruction and disaster. And so in this, I want to just point out some things. Now we read verses 24 through 29, but I want to kind of walk through this with you as we go backwards, all right? We're going to start in verses 28 and 29. I want to show you that as Jesus has concluded these sayings, there was an obvious difference that the hearers were able to recognize between what they had heard uh, from other religious leaders of the day and what they were hearing from Jesus. 
And, and I want to focus on what that difference was. Look at verse 28 with me, if you would. It says, And it came to pass, when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine. Uh, they, they were literally appalled and amazed at what they had just heard. Notice it says in verse 29, For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Now here's the thing. This is important for you to understand. The audience here that is listening to Jesus is com comprised primarily of his disciples, those who have been following him, and also probably some others uh, that have trickled in. You know, anytime Jesus was teaching, people would kind of gather together. But this was uh, right in the heart of Israel. Every one of the people listening to him would have been a Jew. They would have been raised from the time of birth, uh, being taught the, the Old Testament Scriptures. These were very religious people. Uh, these are the people that would have gone to the synagogues every Sabbath day and sat and listened to the Word of God being read and being taught and expounded upon. And, and, and these weren't people that were coming like having never heard the Word of God before. I, I remember one time when I was pastoring in Texas, we had a, a, a gentleman and his wife come in to church, they had been invited by someone, uh, one of our church members there, and, and, and they came in and sat through the service, and uh, when they left, the, the husband, he was a, a big man, he was probably six foot six, and I would guess about 450 pounds, just a, a big old burly guy, and he came and he towered over me, and he shook my hand, and he said, I have never heard anything like that. And I started to ask him about his background, and, and had, you know, what kind of uh, spiritual life he's had or religious background he's had and this is what he told me he said I grew up in the state of Oregon he said I have other than going to a wedding or a funeral I have never been in any kind of a church anywhere well imagine that if that was your background here you are in your 30s and had never been to any kind of church anywhere and then you come into church and you're hearing some you know hair-lipped Baptist preacher getting up and ranting and raving about the Bible right that would be strange and different but these weren't people that had never been around the Word of God these weren't people who hadn't been exposed to truth. These were actually just the opposite. They were people that had been around the Bible their entire life, and they had even been taught the Scriptures their entire life. But when they listened to Jesus, there was something different and distinct about the way in which He spoke. It was so shocking that they were all amazed. They were astonished. I mean, they, they were just taken aback by what they had heard because it was so different than what they had been hearing from the religious leaders of the day. You see, this message was not a message of intellectual lecturing or even paradoxical concepts. We saw a lot of paradoxes, right? You look at the Beatitudes, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit, and blessed are they that mourn, and we think, well, that's kind of a strange thing, but that wasn't in itself what shook them up and what changed them. Notice it says that what, 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 was, what was shocking to them was that he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Now, I don't know exactly all that that entails, 
But it very well could be that Jesus spoke in such a confident and direct manner. There was no apology uh, in, his, in his teaching. There was no beating around the bush. Uh, I mean, this was direct and it was clear, and it was unapologetic, and though it was spoken with compassion, it was also spoken with great boldness and confidence. And, and the truth is that sometimes, and I'm assuming this was probably the case, knowing what I know about the scribes and Pharisees of Jesus' day, it's very possible that the, 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 the truth of Scripture was taught, but it was obscured by... First of all, man's opinion being mixed in with biblical doctrine, but also probably obscured with some degree of reluctance and hesitancy to say with absolute authority, thus saith the Lord. You know, uh, maybe teaching more with a, a question mark left hanging over their statements than clear, direct, concise teaching. And I want you to know that true Bible preaching is always spoken with boldness and truth in love. I want you to hold your place here and go back with me, if you would, to the book of Ezekiel. And in the Old Testament book of Ezekiel, uh, the Lord here, as he's speaking to the prophet and giving him instructions, chapter 2, Ezekiel 2, he's giving instructions to the prophet about addressing the nation of Israel. But here's what he's basically saying. As you take my words to my people, you need to be prepared for the fact that they are not going to listen to you. But that does not change the manner in which you are to speak to them. Regardless of their response, you, your job is very simple. You are to take what I tell you to say, and you are to tell it to them. And so here in uh, Ezekiel 2, beginning in verse 1, it says, And he said unto me, Son of man, stand upon thy feet, and I will speak unto thee. And the Spirit entered into me when he spake unto me, and, and set me upon my feet, that I heard him that spake unto me. And he said unto me, Son of man, I send thee to the children of Israel, to a rebellious nation that hath rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me even unto this very day, for they are impudent children and stiff-hearted. I do send thee unto them, and thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God. And they, listen to this, and they, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear, for they are a rebellious house, yet shall know that there hath been a prophet among them. Here's what he's saying to Ezekiel. My primary purpose in sending you to the nation of Israel is not with the expectation that they are actually going to do anything with the message that you are giving to them. I'm not expecting some great revival to come out of this. And you ought not expect that either, Ezekiel. Because I'm not sending you to bring about a revival. I am simply sending you with a message in order to make them accountable to me. And here is going to be the end result. Whatever they do, whether they hear or whether they forbear, meaning that they choose not to hear, whether they hear you or not, here is what will happen. They will know 
that you are a prophet of God. Now, that, that's not said in such a way as to puff up Ezekiel to say, well, at least they're going to respect you. No, actually, quite the opposite is probably true. They, they wouldn't respect Ezekiel. They didn't want the truth that he was bringing them. But what God is saying is that there will be no denying that the message that you are bringing is a message of God. And what they do with that message is between them and me, but your job is simply to be a prophet and speak the truth to them. And folks, I believe that there is something to that for each of us to understand that we have been entrusted with a message, and it is the message of God. It's called the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, right? And we know that that gospel is, is that which is the power of God unto salvation. And we've been commanded to take that message to the whole world. And so often we hold back and refuse to give the message because we are afraid that the hearers don't want to hear it. And friend, I want to tell you, I'm not saying that we ought to be obnoxious or unkind, but whether they will hear or whether they will forbear, we have a message, don't we? And this message is not just our experience or our opinion. This message is literally the message of God to humanity. And it has been given to you and to me, and we are told to take that message to the world, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear, that is between them and God. But at the very least, they ought to be able to say that there was a prophet among us. There was a child of God. There was a Christian who came to me and told me the truth and gave me the gospel and preached it in love. And folks, we ought to be bold in our witness for Christ and in giving the message of the gospel, not because we are just confident that everyone wants to hear it, but rather we are to be bold because we have been sent by the highest authority of all. We have been given a charge. We've been given a commandment. And whether they will hear or whether they will forbear, listen, Jesus spoke with authority and with confidence. And I think that may have been part of what, what shook them up. There's something different about this guy because he's speaking truth. But certainly more than that, we understand Jesus spoke with authority because after all, He is God, isn't He? I mean, He is the authority. The words that came out of Jesus' mouth were the very words of God. Therefore, He had authority because of the origin of His words. He is God. He is that authority. The scribes were not that authority. The Pharisees did not have that same uh, confidence because they didn't have the same power. They were not of God. But he was of God and is God. He spoke with his own authority. Uh, I love the words of the officers that were sent by the Pharisees to Jesus to ultimately to bring Jesus back to them. Uh, they sent him the officers went to him to take him, and basically they heard his teaching, and they never, they never touched him. They turned around and went back to the Pharisees, and the Pharisees were like, hey, uh, where is that Jesus we sent you to get? And you know what their response was? Never a man spake like this man. Amen. There's something different about that guy. I mean, he was God. 
Folks, I, I just want to say that when God has spoken, there is no room for question and there is no room for opinion. Right? God is God. And what, what He says, thus saith the Lord, matters. And Paul said to the Corinthians, he said, when I came unto you, he said, I came not with excellency of speech, declaring unto you, you know, the wisdom of man. He said, I came to you declaring the, the word of God that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I, I wanted you to be grounded in what God has said. Therefore, I didn't speak to you my own opinions or my own wisdom. I didn't sit there and try and rationalize with you. I simply presented the truth of the Word of God to you because I wanted you to stand in confidence in the power of God and in the Word of God. Boy, that ought to be the desire of every Christian. It ought to be the desire of every preacher. It ought to be the desire of every church. I mean, I've had people say, well, I know your church teaches this, and I know your church teaches this. Listen, it doesn't matter what our church teaches. What matters is what God has said. And I understand that everyone has opinions and everyone has different personalities, but we strive really hard around here to make sure that everything that is preached is right from this book. Because this is our authority. My opinion doesn't matter. What I think you ought to do in your life really has no bearing or consequence on your life, but this ought to be our ultimate authority. We ought to be able to say, hey, this is the word of God, thus saith the Lord, and, and, and stand on that with confidence and boldness. There's, there's no room for question. It's the word of God. There was a difference in the message that he spoke. But then as we look at Matthew 7, I want you to notice the danger that Jesus points out because He had spoken with such authority. This isn't, again, this is not man's opinion. This is the very Word of God. Therefore, the way that you respond to this matters. Let me say this also. We're going to read in just a moment verses 26 and 27. But I want to say to you that every time the Word of God is spoken, it is a decision moment for all of us. I understand that we will often have a, a, a time of invitation where uh, we, we don't want to cause any pressure. Uh, we're, we're not trying to uh, you know, you know, just get people to respond for uh, emotional reasons or anything like that. But the reason that we do that is because we recognize when the Word of God is preached, it's a decision point. And it's easy maybe sometimes to stand there in our seat and say, well, you know, there was nothing about this that really spoke to me. No, 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 you need to understand. This isn't about how you feel or how I feel. It's not just about this stirring up within ourselves that, okay, that really touched me, now I need to go to the altar and pray. This is an opportunity for all of us to say, stop and wait, what has God said? Will I obey it or not? And so it's a decision point. When the Word of God is spoken, it is a time for response. And by the way, you will respond. Every time the Word of God is spoken, you do respond. Either with obedience, 
or rejection, either by hearing or forbearing. And so notice what Jesus says then, with that in mind, he says in verse 26, and everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. He said, everyone who has heard what I have said and chooses not to obey it, not to apply it in their life, not to take it to themselves, it's like a person who went out to the beach somewhere, found a, a spot with a beautiful view, swept away some sand, kind of leveled it out, and built a house there. And then expected that when the hurricane would come, that that house was going to stand. Now we understand that, that that's foolish. I mean, we, we sing about this from the time we're little in Sunday school, right? The, the, the foolish man built his house upon the sand, and the, the wise man built his house upon a rock. But do we understand what Jesus is saying here? The person who builds their, their house on sand, on the beachfront, with no footing, no foundation, they are setting themselves up for destruction. But notice that this person, I, it, it's always amazed me, Jesus does not say here, everyone who has not heard my words, he doesn't say that. He says, everyone who heareth this, these sayings of mine and doeth them not. And I want you to know that there is a danger, not just in not heeding the word of God, but there is specifically a danger in hearing the word of God and not heeding the word of God. Every time, this is not a discouragement from coming to church, okay? But every time you are under the preaching of the Word of God, you are putting yourself in danger. Here's the danger. If, if I am given truth, but that truth never affects me, never changes me, I do not apply that in my life, I am actually setting myself up for failure. I am actually putting myself in a dangerous place because I have heard the truth and yet rejected it. It's entirely possible for you to be faithful in, in, in the house of God, faithful in church, listening to the preaching of the Word of God, and actually, week by week by week, you're worse off than you were had you not come at all. Do you know that's possible? Again, I'm not trying to tell you not to come. I'm glad that you're here. I prayed this morning that you would be here, and I'm thankful that you are. But I'm just saying that if we're, if we're going to take an apathetic attitude to the truth that we receive, that's, we're actually going to be worse off than had we never heard. I, I think this is a danger so frequently among maybe young people who are raised around truth and, and raised in church, there is actually an opportunity for us to become somewhat inoculated to truth. 
where these things that we've heard, we've heard them our whole life, and they just kind of pass in one year and out the other. And this is something that's a, that's a burden for me as a, as a pastor and, and as a preacher. I know if I were to say, if I were to walk into the pulpit and open the Bible and say, turn with me to John 3, 16. Immediately, there are a number of people, and I'm not going to try and guess the number, but there are a number of people that would immediately check out mentally. Because the thought is, I already know what that says. I already know what it means. I already know who it's for, and it's not for me. Isn't it interesting how familiarity with Scripture can actually be a bad thing if our heart's not right before God? If we're not humble and saying, Lord, search me and know me and change me according to Your Word. What was the difference between what Jesus said and what the scribes and the Pharisees taught? See, the scribes, these were the scholars of the day. These people were not ignorant of truth. But their application of truth was all intellectual. But this book is, and I've said it before over and over, this book is not a book primarily of information. It's a, it's a book of transformation. And if you come to it with the, your only intent being information, let me learn, but don't ever let me be changed, something is wrong. And you're in danger. In James chapter 1, James speaks of the, the danger of being hearers of the Word and not doers. And he said that, that if any man be a hearer of the Word and not a doer, he is like unto a man that beholdeth his face in a glass. He, he's looking in the mirror. But then he goes and straightway he forgetteth what manner of man he was. And, and here's what he said. If you are a hearer of the word and not a doer of the word, he said you're deceiving your own selves. I believe, and I, and I say this as lovingly as I can possibly say it, because I truly care about each and every one of you, I believe that there are people who will leave the house of the Lord today feeling better about themselves because they heard the Word of God, but they left unchanged. You think, well, I, you know, I'm doing okay. At least I was in church today. Hey, listen. If any man be a hearer, not a doer, he's deceiving himself. Don't lie to yourself. It's not about what we hear and it's not about what we know. It's about allowing the Word of God to change us, to transform us, to make us what God wants us to be. We're in Matthew. Let's go forward a little bit to the book of Luke and chapter number 12. Luke chapter 12. Jesus here has been speaking in, in parables and one of the parables that he's speaking of is, is being ready ultimately for the return of the Lord. But I want you to notice something that he says here in uh, verse 42. Luke 12, 42. And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household to give them their portion of meat in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Of a truth, I say unto you that he will make him ruler over all that he hath. But, and if that servant say in his heart, 
My Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to beat the men servants and the maidens, and to eat and to drink and to be drunken. The Lord of that servant will come in a day when he looketh not for him, and at an hour when he is not aware, and will cut him in sunder, and will appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. And that servant, which knew his Lord's will, and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. But he that knew not, and did commit, commit things worthy of stripes, shall be beaten with few stripes. Listen to this. For unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall be much required. And to, and to whom men have committed much, of him they will ask the more. What, what is Jesus saying? He's saying that the more opportunity you have had to hear truth, the higher your accountability is. Now for most of us here, that means that we are all very accountable. Because we hear the truth, and we hear the truth, and we hear the truth, and we know the truth, and, and we're around it and exposed to it so much, and while we are becoming more and more comfortable in our knowledge, our accountability is going up and up and up and up. And one day we're going to stand before God, and God's going to say, why didn't you do this? And we will not be able to say, Lord, I didn't know you wanted me to do this. We won't, we won't have that excuse. We are without excuse. Because we have the truth. And so I ask you then, how has the Word of God changed your life? How is it changing your life? Four times, I count four times in the New Testament where, where there's some variation of the wording that refers to the Gospel as, as something that is to be obeyed. We are to obey the Gospel. We, we often think of the gospel as, you know, well, it's, it's, it's the plan of salvation. Uh, it, it means that we, you know, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and, and we'll be saved. And that's certainly true. But the, the concept of the gospel being obeyed means that it requires action. It goes beyond just that intellectual belief in truth. It, it, it has to do with a response. And again, I question how many people have been around the gospel long enough that it's just kind of old hat. Someone starts talking about salvation and it just kind of, yeah, whatever. But have you obeyed the gospel? Have you been born again? Have you placed your faith in Jesus as an act of your will? Have you chosen Christ? Have you obeyed the gospel unto salvation? But then even after salvation, let me ask you this, you're born again, great. Are you obeying the gospel? Does your life reflect, and I'm not saying yeah, my life reflects this because I don't drink and I don't cuss and I, and, and I keep myself from worldly forms of entertainment. I'm saying, is your life transformed by the gospel? Is it being transformed by the gospel? Are you able to say that you are more Christ-like today than you were a year ago? That, that God is doing a work in you, and He's humbling you, and He's changing you, and, and sanctifying you. Have you obeyed the Gospel? I'm so concerned 
Because I see, I see it in myself. How easy it is as it is, and I know Pastor Smith could attest to this, one of the, the dangers that preachers have to be aware of is when you're constantly in the Word of God and you're, you're constantly preaching, there's always this thought in the back of your mind, uh, you know, the people need to hear this. The church needs this. Uh, how can I prepare for the next message that I'll stand and preach? But Paul said something really interesting to Timothy. He, 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 he made this statement. He said, the husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. Uh, we could say it this way, maybe in more modern vernacular, uh, a farmer has to feed himself and his family before he can feed other people. And, and as a preacher of the Word of God, something I have to guard myself against is always looking at the Scripture from the standpoint of what do others need to hear and how can I convey this to others? And I need to take a moment and look in the mirror and say, Lord, what are you trying to change in me through your Word? Because I too can be a hearer and even a teacher of the Word and not a doer of it. And so I know if that's a problem for me, I think I can be pretty confident that this is a problem for everyone, for all of us. Those who would hear the Word of God and not obey it are as those who would build a house on the sand with no foundation. But then let's back up a couple more verses to verse 24. And notice that he says here, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not. For it was founded upon a rock. So we, we see this difference in Jesus' teaching. He spoke of the danger of hearing His Word and not doing it. But now He speaks of durability. He says if you want your life to be stable, if you, if you want to be built on a strong foundation, here's what you do. When you hear the Word of God, obey it. And what's going to happen is your life is going to stand up. Now, I want to just briefly point something out to you. Because it says in verse number 25, and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house. But look at verse 27. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house. Did you know both the hearer of the Word of God and the doer of the Word of God are going to face storms in life that test their foundation? I'm not saying to you today that, you know, if you'll just simply apply the Word of God to your life, that it's going to be smooth sailing from here on out because both of these houses were tested by the same storm. The wind and the rain and the floods. You see, the, the real measure and strength of your life is not determined in peacetime. You could actually build a house on the sand of a beach, and for a season or two, that house could hold up pretty well. 
But it's when the storms come that the foundations are tested. I mentioned on Wednesday night, if you were here, without any attempt to alarm anyone, that I believe it's vitally important for God's people to be aware that we are in a different time and we are about to face some things. If Christ doesn't return sooner, you know, if, if it doesn't happen today or tomorrow, I mean, we're about to face some things, folks, that we have not faced before. And I believe that there are going to be some foundations that are put to the test. One of the things that I believe will happen is when persecution arrives in this country, a lot of the people that are filling the seats in churches today will not be there. Because there's a test of their real commitment. Jesus spoke with authority. But that authority with which He spoke requires that we don't just passively sit by and say, I've heard it. I'm good. It requires a response. And that response ought to be, Lord, whatever you want, whatever you show me from your word, I want that too. I want to be changed and transformed by the word of God so that my house will be built on rock and stand in the storms of life.